Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Jobs to Journeys, a podcast about how people learn, grow, and find meaning in the workplace. My name is Gabe Gloga. Each week, I talk with my friend and co-host Doug Weitz about whatever topics we're wrestling with and try to help each other clarify these ideas and hopefully add a little knowledge and insight to the world of workplace learning. This week, we discuss how to separate roles and souls. For many people, their job is a core aspect of their identity. It's what they do. And as Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Often in the workplace, a person and the role they perform are inseparable in the minds of their colleagues. But this merging of identities, the person and the function they perform in the organization, causes problems. To avoid these problems, you must separate roles and souls. How to do that is exactly what we're going to discuss. As well as whether a company is a mechanism or an organism, when Harry met Sally in the office, Jesse Eisenberg's advice for hiring managers, the price we all inevitably pay by punching in and out, finding peace with your spirit animal, and more. This podcast is brought to you by Cultivate Me, which helps companies create exciting career journeys for their people so they don't get bored and quit. If you're curious about any of the ideas we discuss on the show or you just want to connect, you can always send an email to hello at cultivateme.xyz. We'd love to hear from you. And now, on to the show. Hello, Doug. Hey, Gabe. I'm drinking a new tea this morning. Excellent. I'm drinking my traditional hot water that I sip all day long. Mine's just hot water with some lemon and some gin, not ginseng. Gin? (laughs) That's the evening tea. Uh, (laughs) Lemon and gin, I think that's just called a gin and tonic. Um, What's the other one? Ginger. Ginger. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stain my teeth like coffee does. It's nice. I wanted to, uh, I I don't know why I woke up thinking about this, but um, I really wanted to talk today about this idea of separating roles and souls um, that we, you know, we love. Um, And I'm really curious whether having this conversation with you will reveal to me why it was so important to me today. Ah, you have a dim apprehension of something useful, something important. Yeah, there's something in here that, yeah, there's something in here that connects to my current existence and like what I'm looking for in life. I don't (laughs) quite know what it is, but yeah, it's okay. I bet I will by the end. Well, let's talk about what we mean by roles and souls, because that's one of our favorite uh, sort of catchphrases, if you will, or idioms uh, to talk about is, uh, you know, it's very important to to separate roles from souls. Um, What does that mean to you? Yeah. Okay. So let's take them one at a time. So a role is a is a job. I mean, when when we're talking about the workplace Mm -hmm. in that context, a role is a job, the things you have to do. Uh, the skills you need to have to do it, um, the tasks you have to perform every day, the responsibilities you have, that sort of thing. You would see a role 
most commonly uh, in a kind of a job description or in the interview process, you would, um, you know, you would uh, talk about the role, Mm -hmm. right? A soul. I, I think the role, I think the role also comes up in the inverse of that. When people are asked to do something, they say, that's not my job. Uh huh. Right. Uh Like it's a set. It's a sort of a boundary of a set of tasks or a set of skills that you've been sort of hired to do and that you that you're paid to do. And um, and there are things inside of that and there are things outside of that. Yeah. And I want to I want to. Why are all our things beeping? (laughs) Uh, I want to also plant a little seed that. Most of the time. Um, a hiring manager or a company is hiring, it has a role in mind and tries to stuff a person into it. Mm, okay. But more on that later. Mm-hmm. So a soul, so we've got a role. A soul is really the person who's inhabiting that role mm-hmm. at the moment, mm-hmm. right? Presumably, if it's a you know role that is persistent over time. Many souls will inhabit it at some point or another, and souls will move into it and souls will move out of it. The soul is the person, the human Mm -hmm. being that is more than just their role, right? Has a life outside of the role, has a personality outside of the role, but is occupying that role. And, um, you know, like, I mean, I think of it, the most obvious metaphor is like acting, right? It's like you've got, you know, if you're playing the role of Hamlet, Mm-hmm. In Shakespeare's Hamlet, mm-hmm. you aren't Hamlet, right? Hamlet yeah. is the role you're playing, right? Um, you, I am Doug, and I am playing the role of Hamlet right uh-huh. now. So I'm doing my best to inhabit that role and kind of become Hamlet so that I can truly deliver what is expected. But ultimately, I'm still Doug doing, you know, playing the role. Uh-huh. Well, the actor analogy is interesting because actors play all sorts of different roles, uh-huh. right? So the implication there is that um, this role that they're playing right now is temporary. Yeah, and all, all role. I mean, I think most professionals move through different roles, at least a few different roles throughout their career, yeah. and they have to adapt and kind of you know change their approach based on the role that they're playing at the moment. And I think one of the important concepts for us when, when, you know, when you and I talk about separating roles from souls is that the soul is not just the, the person who inhabits that role, but it's also their mastery of that role. How well do they play that? That's one of the reasons of, of separating it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but really like the, the reason I think it matters to, to, care about this or even be aware of the fact of the distinction between roles and souls is that if you're not you're you're missing a huge opportunity okay as an employer as a manager as a leader um to really tap into the strengths and passions of the soul inhabiting the role in mm-hmm. other words if you just say like okay here's the role i need to hire somebody who can do this this and this in this capacity and this time scale and, you know, whatever, like, here's the job. Are you the person for the job? Like, can you do this exact thing that I've just laid out in the exact way I've just laid it out? Mm -hmm. Right. And you'll, you'll probably find somebody who says, yeah, yes, I can inhabit that role. I can do exactly what you're envisioning. Right. 
And that's fine. And, it, and depending on the role, like that might be the way to go. You know, if it's sort of a simple role, then maybe it makes sense to just mm-hmm. have an exact role in mind and fit somebody, a soul into it. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to more sophisticated jobs, um, you know, jobs with nuance where you're like dealing with people and negotiation and kind of like listening skills and all kinds of things um, that are very not that aren't particularly concrete, right? If you don't consider the soul inhabiting the role, you're missing out on an opportunity to really kind of, how do I say this? Like, it's like make, make the role really work the way it was intended to work. Like, what are you really trying to accomplish in, you know, having this role at your organization? Hmm. You know, um, so I, I feel like we have to get a little more concrete. Can you can you give I, me? No, I way? can. I actually I, I like where you're going with this. I'm hearing a struggle between mechanism and organism. You know, when you talk about a hiring manager stuffing a person into a role, and I think that's I think you're trying to make a point. I think most hiring managers aren't necessarily <laughs> trying to jam someone into a role, but um, but there is that sense that that to a certain degree, a business is a bit of a machine in that it's a collection of processes that are designed to interact with each other and operate in a sort of predictable way in order to turn inputs into outputs to produce value for a customer, right? And so when you're designing a role, you are thinking mechanistically a little bit, right? Like there's this kind of, there's this particular problem in the business and I need uh, some thing, some person uh, who can do tasks X, Y, and Z at a certain rate, at a certain level of quality in order to deliver X to the customer. And if they're not able to do those things, then that value is not going to get delivered. The customer is going to be upset. So, So there is a fairly kind of precise language or process in which a role is scoped, but but then we we are what I'm hearing you say is we're still dealing with organic people, and it makes me think of the of the gardening analogy, right? If you just take any kind of plant and shove it into a particular slot in your garden, it might not necessarily uh, flourish if that plant isn't the right fit. And there's there's all sorts of talk about fit, and that's part of the hiring process, right? You're trying to find someone who's going to be effective in the role. But what I think I'm hearing you say is you want to you, you, you want to be able to deliver or identify or fit a certain kind of baseline competency so that they can deliver on the role as described. But you want to optimize for the sort of unique potential and style and approach that a particular individual might bring to it. And if you can be open enough to that organic nature of like, well, Sally can do all the baseline things, but she has this kind of approach, which is a much softer approach. And she gets in the door in a different kind of way. Whereas Harry comes along and he's also got the baseline stuff, but he's much more kind of aggressive and forthright approach. And neither approach is is wrong. They both get the job done. But if I tried to make Sally's approach like Harry's, she would fail miserably. If I tried to make Harry's approach like Sally's, she would fail miserably. So like over-optimizing the mechanical aspect of this at the 
at the to the detriment of right the or, the, or, or at, at, at like ignoring the the organic nature is going to give you a worse outcome. Well, yeah, and and actually, I guess those are the two things that I'm I'm digging at. One is that as you know, a leader, you're going to get less a less effective, um, you know product like the person is not going to Sally is not going to do it well if you in if you uh insist she do it the way Harry does it right, right um right. but the other part of that and this is this is more sort of in my wheelhouse is that Sally's going to hate her fucking job <laughs> because you're not letting her be Sally yeah you're making her be Harry you know, and she doesn't, that's not who she, it's not that she doesn't want to be Harry, that she just, that's not who she is, right? She brings a certain type of personality and kind of approach to life and je ne sais quoi, shall we say, to everything that she does. And if she's not allowed to tap into who she really is and what makes her her, she is going to feel this kind of disconnect between who she really is and what she has to do nine hours a day or how she has to do it nine hours a day. And pretty soon she's going to not want to be a part of that. People want to be able to be who they are. People want to be able to be authentic, you know, not to say that every minute of every day in your job is supposed to be a pleasure and mm-hmm. you like really, you know, being the person you were born to be, right? I mean, right. that would be great, but um, that's unrealistic. But you should also be able to be authentic, you know? And, and not even that you should be able to. That's the wrong way to say it. If you are not able to be authentic, you will not like it. <laughs> You'll disengage. Right. And then you won't be effective. And then eventually you'll you'll leave, or, so that, or you'll be so ineffective that they'll make you leave. I mean, like that's right. it's just not good for anyone. I was listening to this uh, interview with Jesse Eisenberg. I don't know if you know him, the actor. Yeah, yeah. He just um, got his voice is so distinctive. Like the second I turned on the radio, I knew <laughs> it was, he said one word, and I knew it was him. It was crazy. Huh. Huh. Um, and it's not like I, I'm a huge Jesse Eisenberg fan or anything. Like, I, I mean, I've seen his movies, but Zombieland anyway, he, is fantastic. He directed a, uh, a new movie that's coming. I think it's coming out today. And uh, one of the questions that the interviewer asked him was, what kind of role, what do you look for in a role as an actor? Mm-hmm. You know, and he said, you know, most roles are just moving the plot forward like they're you're using the character as a tool to move the plot forward Mm, right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what i look for in a role is a is a character who has a life beyond the role in other words this character could exist in other arenas like he understands as he's studying the character and becoming the character, he understands the character so well. And the character is so interesting and nuanced and sophisticated and human mm-hmm. that if you said to him, well, what if this character were on a, were on a, a ship out at sea? What, what would he be like? You know, and there mm. was like a, a leak. What would he be like? 
Mm. And Jesse Eisenberg goes, oh, I know exactly what he would do. I know exactly how he would react. I know exactly what he'd say. I know because he's a fully formed human, like he's Mm. a full soul, Mm -hmm. that character. And even though the story that's being told doesn't tap into his full soul as an actor, he can become that character because that character is a it's like a full suit. Right. It's not just a tie. And you're naked, <laughs> right? It's, it's not like just the, from the waist up because you're on a Zoom call. Exactly. It's it's the whole it's the whole costume, um, and I thought that was just a really cool thing. And I think it relates to this in the sense that, like, if you're doing a job that is just moving the plot forward, or in this metaphor, you know, and that's just sort of like moving the car down the assembly line, but there's nothing more than that you're going to disengage at some point because it's not a full it's not a full suit to inha- for you to inhabit you're you're not able to flourish i mean what we're talking about is optimizing for engagement mhm which therefore should optimize for output and and impact right um and so you know, the advice that we're sort of tacitly offering is scope the job clearly so people know what's expected yeah. and then look for ways for people to inject their own unique personality, skills, mission, calling into that job so yeah. that they become deeply engaged in it. And yeah, and, and encourage that and like reward that. That is Make it clear that that's what you want. Yeah. Well, so this, uh, man, I want to go in a bunch of different directions on this now. Um, I mean, this is what we talk about when, this is what we mean when we say turn jobs into journeys. No one wants a job. They want a journey, right? And so seeing that job not as a checklist that you need to tick off every day when you come into the office but seeing that job as a vehicle for your growth and development as a professional and as a person is turning that job into a journey. And so one of the things that we often talk about when we say separate roles from souls is thinking of the role as a curriculum. So it becomes a developmental journey that that pulls you forward by engaging deeper within with the job. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I just had this sort of... Uh epiphany of you know it's like the ideal job you come into work every day and get to apply the who you are and who you are trying to be to something bigger than yourself yes that so that was the other thing i wanted to uh the other direction i wanted to go is you're talking about one of the most essential leadership skills which is how do i help connect the mission of this company with the personal vision of every single employee. And that's a unique connection because every employee is unique, but people want to be able to see how me inhabiting this role aligns with my own kind of personal goals and vision for myself and the direction I want to head um, and is therefore aligned with the mission of of the company. Yeah. And and like to the... Putting this into practice, like one of the things that just comes to mind is like in the interview process, and I'm sure a lot of 
great leaders do this. I'm not suggesting that no one does this, but, um, you know, asking the question like, okay, you know, I told you what the role is. I told you what we're looking to get out of the person who is going to take on this role. What do you want to get out of this role? Like what, how, what role will this role play in your journey, in what you are trying to accomplish with your life? What is the, what role is this role playing? Um, And that's sort of an explicit way of challenging the interviewee who potentially will become the soul inhabiting the role you're trying to fill to think about that alignment. You know, like, because I don't think there's any shortage of the company side making clear to the potential employee, here's what we want, right? But I think there's often an imbalance with the other side, which is what do you want, right? I mean, you want the job, but like, tell me more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of <clears throat> unfortunate stuff wrapped up in those conversations and those decisions. And I think, in in many many cases probably the majority of cases uh you know it's the person who needs the job that is a, a little bit more desperate uh mm-hmm. you know often because of uh, financial needs you know maybe they were went through a riff and uh so they need kind of something now and so they're worried to have that conversation um up front <clears throat> Right. Because like, look, this job seems good enough and it pays what I need. And I, you know, I've got to make rent and all that stuff. So let's just do it. And the fit isn't quite there or people haven't understood both sides of it. And so you end up getting someone uh, who it's not someone you end up getting a a fit or a lack of fit where they're not really going to flourish, you know. And so six, nine, 12, 18 months down the line, they don't fit, you know, and they end up getting rift again because there was a need to cut costs and the management was like, ah, this person's really not kind of shining in this role. I, I suppose, you know, uh, or they're saying this just isn't what I hoped it would be. And another better opportunities finally come along uh, and, you know, and they jump off to take it. But uh, so that's, you know, that's one of the reasons we say like, don't hire for the job, hire for the journey. So you don't want to get someone who can do the job a hundred percent or has done all of that in the past. Cause they're going to be, they're going to be bored, you know? Mm-hmm. I I said a few minutes ago, like that hiring managers, you know, are stuffing people into their jobs, right? And you push back a little bit. And of course, I was, you know, being a little bit cartoonish about it. Um, but maybe there, maybe the other way of saying it to your point where the, you know, person searching for a job really needs a job, right? Presumably that's why they're searching for a job. And what probably is happening is it's not the hiring managers stuffing people into jobs. It's the job seekers stuffing themselves into a job. Right. Like they're saying to themselves, yeah, all right. I don't love that part, but I can do it. I can pretend. I can I find can, a, made a, a way yeah. to make this work. Exactly, exactly. I need a job, you know. But if you're pretending, you know, you can pull that off during the interview process. You can pull that off for the first three months of doing the job. Yeah. But eventually... There's going to be a, if there's a misalignment between like who you are and who you want to be and the way you want to spend your time being, I don't know how else to say it other than like the way you are, the way you want to be. Um, 
there's going to be a disconnect. And we keep saying you'll disengage, but it's like, that is one way of saying it, but I feel like there's something even deeper than that. Like you'll just, your path, the path of the role and the path of the soul will go in different directions, you know, like you'll, which I guess is a way of saying disengage, but like, you'll just, there will be a fork and and you won't be on the same road anymore. You know, it's like, you've got to, if you were a soul, you've got to walk w- alongside your role, you know, and yeah. be at peace with your role. I, I think that last thing you said is really important to be at peace with it, you know, and when you're not at peace with a role, there's, there's an internal conflict, you know, you can mm-hmm. sense it. Um, and that's like, that's a bad place to be emotionally. Yeah. And of course it leads to disengagement, but I feel like engagement and disengagement is, is spoken about in such a kind of mechanistic way. And like a quick caveat here, cause I think I'm about to go down a sort of philosophical, emotional rabbit hole. In a lot of ways, these are very much first world problems, oh, right? Yeah. Like you and I are talking about having a job that makes your soul flourish. Yes. You know, um, and that's great. We should all go for that. There are plenty of people who are listening to this right now. Well, I don't know if there are plenty of people listening. There are, no, there's nobody there are listening. plenty of people out there who could potentially be listening to this, right? Yeah. And are saying like, this is all fancy schmancy, but I'll take the, the misfit job right now. I like, I really need the job. I need to feed my family. Uh, the economy's, you know, getting worse. Interest rates are crazy high. You know, you guys go ahead and philosophize. I'll take the effing job, right? I'll find my fulfillment elsewhere. That's right. That's right. I'll find, I'll punch in, I'll punch out and I'll go, you know, carve wood, right. To fulfill my soul or something like that. Right. Um, uh, So, but, but having said that, you know, we keep, coming back to this notion again that like you're going to do this for a very large chunk of your waking life mm-hmm. you know do you really want that to be soul crushing you know um and i and i think there's you know what what you do every day and and what you get paid for and the the trade that you make with an organization in order to put money in the bank and food on the table and piano lessons for your kids and all of that stuff. That's a part of your identity, whether you, whether you want it to be or not. Yeah. You know, there's no escaping that you, you, a soul is many faceted, but if eight hours of your day is doing something, that's a part of your soul. It's a part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And if you, don't like doing that. If you are philosophically at odds with it, if you feel like the, the culture or the values of that organization are wrong, or the things that you're being asked to do are not tapping into your true potential, um, or that the, the, the role you have is not aligned with your, your calling on, you know, like, like what, what am I on this earth to do? Um, it's going to eat away at you, you know, and so we all have to make compromises in life here and there to some degree. We have to make choices. It's inherent in, in, in living. Um, but I don't think that's something like, I think that's something you want to steer towards finding an alignment on, 
you can only punch in and punch out and pretend that it doesn't matter for so long before it starts to really crush you, you know? Yeah. You have to have a relationship with your role. Like you are the soul. You have to have a relationship with your role. I almost think of it. I don't remember what book it was. It wasn't the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, but it was something along those lines where you had a spirit animal. Uh, everybody has a spirit animal. Sounds like Harry animal. Potter to me. The Patronus. Maybe. I feel like it wasn't. Anyway, it's, it pro- it's probably C.S. Lewis in there as well. I'm sure that yeah. there's spirit animals in, in that series as well. But but like you, it's not like a spiritual spirit animal. Like it's literally walking next to you or sitting on your shoulder. It's oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Animal. Okay. I know yeah. what you're talking about. I don't remember the story, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Continue. And and you don't you don't choose the spirit animal like it just appears and it is your spirit animal. And some right. characters sort of like have conflict with their spirit animals at first or later or whatever. But at some point, people who are happy and fulfilled and successful and, you know, are able to function in the world find like a, a piece with their spirit animal. Like they, they are two sides of the same coin. They are two parts of the same one. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like, like I'm picturing a truck driver, right? A truck driver, uh, you know, is driving a truck. Like that's, that's the job. They're spending hours and hours and hours and hours on the road through the night on highways and, you know, truck stops and, um, they find a way to sort of, ha- I mean, those of those truck drivers who are happy find a way to have a relationship with that role that they are playing, right? They, 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 they enjoy listening to podcasts and, you know, binging podcasts for hours on end. They enjoy kind of, you know, making phone calls from the road and like seeing different parts of the country at, obscure times that non-truck drivers don't get to see like sunrise over the desert. You know, I, I mean, I'm not a truck driver, but I imagine that truck drivers who have sort of a Zen existence have found a connection, you know, a, a relationship with their role and their soul and their role have sort of are, are aligned on some level. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's important that we talk about how to apply this, right? And I already, yeah, I already mentioned this idea of in the job interview being explicit with the uh, job seeker about like what what's in this for you, what are you looking to get out of this, where are you headed, um, is a great way to kind of empower the potential employee to start thinking in that way in terms of alignment between roles and souls. What uh, what do you have? Well, I just want to build on that. I think that's absolutely right. And I think it's important to think long-term or ha- you know, have a question that's not just about, can you do this role today? Mm-hmm. Because I know you need a job and I know I need to fill this role so I can get on to my other projects. So oftentimes I feel like the conversation is about the here and now. Mm-hmm. And you should carve out at least a few minutes to say like, okay, if you're going to take on this role, you're probably going to do it for at least a couple of years. What do, you, what do you want your world to be like at the end of those two years? And, you know, I'm not going to hold you to it, right? But I want to get a sense of what's your intended trajectory right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what skill, how do you want to be better? What do you think might be, might this be a stepping stone towards 
you know, what's your next thing? Um, and, and that can, that can help, uh, certainly determine fit, uh, but also determine how, how you get managed, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think if, if the hiring manager is good and, and knows what they're doing, that's critical information to say, okay, here, you know, here are the kind of projects I'm going to give the person. Here's the direction I'm going to try and send them in. Here's some people I'm going to try and connect them with in the organization. And all those things help you flourish as a person and find that alignment between the role and, and the soul. Yeah. It helps you pick up clues as to how you can motivate this person throughout their time, you know, which is so critical to keep them engaged and keep them doing their best work, which will yeah. be good for you. It will be good for the company and it will be good for them. Um, you know, everybody wins if they're doing their best work and feeling good about it. Yeah. Uh, another one is, is this idea of thinking of the role. So once, once the person's hired, they're doing the role, thinking of the role as a curriculum, right? Right. Where, you know, uh, you know, when you go to go off to college, you know, well, if you're mature enough to be able to think this way, I certainly wasn't. <laughs> um, you know, you you think like, all right, what am I going to college for? Like, what do I want to learn in order to then do something, right? Mm-hmm. But once you get out in the job world, you're not particularly encouraged to think that way. It's like you already went to college. That's over. Now right. you just have to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Um, but actually extending that idea of of learning you know, and using the job, the role as a way of enhancing your understanding, enhancing your learning, refining your skill set, you know, thinking of a role like that allows you to really like use the role and utilize and squeeze the role and get something out of it, like really get something out of it. So on the other side of that role, you're better, you're a better professional, you're a better human being, you're you know, better at certain very specific skills, you're better thanks to having thought of the role as a curriculum. Yeah. And I think the way to think of a role as a curriculum, which is kind of its, it's whole other episode, and we've written about this uh, before, is, you know, breaking it down into like, what are the key areas of responsibility for this role? What are the essential activities and skills in each of those areas? Then what is your mastery of them? And when you start, you, you know, you've got some mastery, like you're probably not completely clueless or you wouldn't have been hired for the role. But, um, you know, think about what your mastery is, uh, align what you're working on presently with the skills in that area that you need to, that you want to develop. And your goal is to master the role first, then help other people master it, and then help evolve the role. You know, I think that's a much richer yes. and long-term way of looking at it. Then here's the job description, get to work, check in with me once a week. Right. You know. And when you're done with the role, give it back to me and I'll give it to somebody else in the exact same form I gave it to you in. That's right. That's right? right. Like what you want to what you want to do at that that moment when the person or that period of time when the person is transitioning to a new role, which hope you know they will if they are somebody who's going somewhere, which is mm-hmm. the kind of people you want to hire, um get their help. You know, like, look, when I hired you for this role, I described it in a very specific way. We had a good conversation. We tried to align your soul to this role. You knocked it out of the park for the last three years, and now you're moving on to a new role. How should we be explaining this role to the next person we're hiring? 
how should we be interviewing for this role? What's What did you find in inhabiting the role that could be useful perspective to us? Because we're not, like we know the role and we're hiring for the role and we manage the role, but we don't actually do the role. Right. You did the role. You know, you played the role. So what was it like Well, from in there? Yeah. And yeah. evolving, you know, as I mean, you you tapped into this, like helping the role to evolve. Yeah. Um, and I think that also kind of optimizes your talent flow, uh, right? When when you're framing the role as a journey and your your goal in this journey is to master the role, help others master it and evolve the role. At some point, you'll have done that. Hopefully yes. it might take two, three, four years. I don't know. But then you're going to be looking around, right? And you're going to get a little bored, bored people quit. And so now, you know, now you're talking about talent flow. You should look at anyone in any role and understand that they have, at least today, on average, about a three-year time frame. You know, and, and if someone's been doing the same role for five, six, seven years, that should be a signal. Maybe there's nothing wrong with it, but it's probably worth checking in on. Um and it should be, you know, don't get, don't get complacent as a manager or as a professional, you know? Yeah. Um, right. It's both people. That's, that's just, this would be sort of my last point that it's both sides responsibility um, to work towards alignment between roles and souls. It is not just the employer's role um, job or responsibility to make sure that the people they're hiring, that they deeply understand their souls and have worked hard to align their the people they're hiring to the roles they're playing. It is also the responsibility of the person taking the job, right? And if they if they can't because of practical reasons and sort of stress and anxiety reasons in the interview process, which is a stressful time when you are just wanting to just get to yes, you know, and you will in some ways, compromise. I mean, everybody does this. I'm not implying that this is a bad thing, but compromise your values on some level in order mm-hmm. to just fit so you can get the job. Then once you have the job, like work towards finding a way to build a relationship with the role and to, you know, tinker with the role so that it fits who you are and tinker with yourself to, so that you fit who what it is, you know? And find that alignment. It's both sides' responsibility. Yeah, I, I, that'll be my final point as well. Just to build on that, as I think you're right. It the the big takeaway for me here is that it's it's incumbent on both sides, right? Uh, it's not just a manager who's got to inject that. It's not just an employee who's got to strive for it. Uh, the best fit is going to come when both sides are trying to optimize for the journey uh, and not just for the job. All right. Well, let's leave it at that then. Thank you, Gabe. Always Great a talking pleasure. with you. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Learning at Work. We hope you found it fun and insightful. If you want to learn more about the Cultivate Me method of turning jobs into journeys, visit us on the web at cultivateme.xyz. Be well, and I'll see you in the next episode.